So I'm not going to read directly from any scripture, but from an email. From a request that's been directed to me by email, and uh, after that I'll comment on that. The uh, request is from a devotee called Kostubha Das, who I don't personally know. I presume from some content of the letter that he's from America. He's asking me to give personal instruction on how and what one should do to get to the level, level of Brahmanical initiation. He writes, I've been associating with devotees for over 10 years and took first initiation two years ago. I don't plan on doing it, on taking Brahminical initiation anytime soon, because I'm still so unqualified and I think it is a lot more than just recognition. I see some devotees really thriving, or maybe that should be striving for it, just so they can walk around with the thread, and I don't want to be like that. And then uh, he writes about a friend who directed him, Kostuba Das, to my website. Uh, he's asking for some personal instruction. Can I have him, referring to me, say, start doing this, reading this, or don't do this? Actual instruction, because all I get now is the answer. Pray to Krishna and all will be given to you. I can see that being important, but so is actual instruction. <clears throat> so here we have someone, a devotee, who's been initiated for two years and is thinking what he has to do to come to the level of Brahminical initiation. He, he has an idea that he should come up to a certain level to do so and not just try to be Brahminically initiated so that he can show his thread or to uh, accept Brahminical initiation just for the recognition that might come with it. Recently, uh, one of my disciples, who's from a Brahmin family from North India, told me that uh, well, he'd just come back from a wedding within his community in his home area in UP and he told me that the bridegroom at the wedding was dressed in a suit and he had his thread draped on the outside of his suit just so that people could see it so he related to this to me when I, well, we were just discussing something and I said that, you see how, I said to him that you're from a Brahmin family, but you can see yourself how the, even within these Brahmin families, the culture is going down day by day. So he had just come back from this function and he cited this to me as an to confirm what I'd said, or as an, as an instance of that. So Srila Prabhupada wanted to, as he said, create a new class of Brahmins as spiritual leaders of society, fully qualified to give guidance to others. 
because, as Srila Prabhupada said, the, the, the Brahminical culture, which is essential for human society, is largely broken down. People think that to be a Brahmin is just having a thread on your shoulder. Of course, in traditional culture, Kshatriyas and Vaishyas also had a thread, but then it came to be just Brahmins. And now many Brahmins also don't keep a thread. And those that do, maybe that's all they do. <laughs> that's stated in Bhagavatam, Sutre Dvijatvam Evahi. One will be considered Dvija, twice born, simply by having a thread. Now, this devotee uh, wrote to me and said that I think Brahminical initiation is a lot more just than getting recognition. So he has recognized that within our society, at least uh, in the location he's in, that it seems to be quite common that devotees think that Brahminical initiation is just, you have Brahminical, Hare Krishna Mataji. Brahminical initiation is just for recognition. But if we have that within our society, then we come to the same position as the people who put the thread on the outside of their suit. Then just for recognition. That's the main purpose. And then the point of having brahmanas, Vaishnava brahmanas, by qualification is gone. And the point of having them as being actual leaders, not, not just leader by saying, look, I'm a brahmin, you have to do what I say, but being the kind of leader who people naturally look up, anyone who's spiritually inclined will naturally look up to, that point is gone. Actually, it's very difficult to be a leader in the modern age because people don't have faith in leaders. That's why there are no more kings. Of course, in India, the, the system of having kings broke down uh, under the British rule, when the kings just became meaningless kings, kings in name only. But all over the world, the system of having rajas, kshatriyas, has broken down because instead of being, uh, instead of having their position to benefit the people, they took it as a role to exploit the people. And we find that everywhere, in all spheres of life. And that's why modern society has evolved the way it has, democracy. Now the American election, it's, it's presidential election year. So maybe Obama will get another term. But if he has another, that's the last one, because they don't allow more than two terms, maximum eight years. Because the idea is that they, in the whole country of the United States of America, they can't trust anyone to be a leader more than eight years. <laughs> the idea that power corrupts is there, so the idea you should rotate the leaders. So this kind of leader uh, who inherently people distrust, what kind of leader is that? You can't really lead anyone. They don't really trust you. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada wanted a class of brahmanas who people can trust to lead, not to exploit, but to benefit others. And such leaders should also be able to benefit others. 
by their instruction. Is that the kind of someone's translating loudly or just talking loudly? All right. All right. They're an enthusiastic translator. Well, maybe they need to. Yeah, to be able to benefit others as a by being an actual spiritual leader, one should have the quality shamodamaktapashocham kshanti arjavam evacha jnanam vijnanam astikyam brahma karmas vabhavajam. One should actually have a controlled mind, controlled senses. One should be austere, clean, uh, tolerant. Tolerance, uh, this word in English, uh, it, it can mean tolerance of different people. Usually the word in English is used to mean tolerance of different, you should just tolerate all different opinions. But that's not the sense in which it's used in this context. Tolerance means tolerance of difficulties, heat and cold and uh, other people insulting you. And there are so many difficulties in the world that one should tolerate that. Uh, but tolerance of nonsense, that is not a Brahminical quality at all. You should be very intolerant of that which is against the truth, which is against reality. So, kshanti, arjavam, straightforwardness. Kshatriya may be political. Avaisya, in trade, in, in business, he may lie or mislead you. And a shudra, you don't expect any good qualities from him in particular anyway. But a Brahmin should be very straightforward. And jnana, he should know. Shastra. And vijnana, not only theoretical knowledge, but how to uh, instruct others according to Shastra for their benefit. So to be a Brahmin who can actually lead others and who others will naturally trust requires that one should have these qualities or be developing these qualities or at least be capable of developing these qualities. Not everyone is. Because Brahma Karma Swabhavajam, generally these qualities are born. One is born with those qualities. So the, the attempt to make Brahmanas by the Vaishnav process, it's a bold attempt, but a necessary attempt, because those who are from Brahmana families nowadays, uh, mostly they're not trained in that culture. The culture is gone. Still there are some families where they're trained in these qualities, but mostly not. So these, uh, in answer, what, in answer to the question, what should I do? Well, one should develop these qualities. One should at least study. If, now, qualities like sense control, mind control, uh, devotees try for that, but by seriously practicing Krishna consciousness, that automatically comes just like sense control, if we vow anukul yena, whatever is anukul yena sankalpa, whatever is favorable for Krishna consciousness, I shall do. And pratikul yasya varjana, whatever is against the principle of Krishna consciousness, I shall not do. So if we vow like this, then automatically sense control comes. Just like we may think there's uh, so many nice foods in this shop, so let me go inside and buy some food. But because a devotee knows the principle that bishoyer anna kaile molin hoimon, that the mind becomes contaminated by eating food 
of materialists, then he doesn't do it. Then the same shop that you previously passed, and every time you walk past it, you couldn't prevent yourself going in to buy the nice food, you don't even notice it, because I have no business to go there. So automatically, because one has taken the vow to satisfy Krishna, then automatically, to a large extent, the senses come under control. As far as jnana, shastric knowledge is concerned, then one has to do that. One has to study what is in shastra. One has to hear. One has to absorb. It takes time. Uh, it takes uh, dedication to do so. If one is to be a uh, a Brahmin. Of course, a devotee's position is above that of a Brahmin, but it is one of the desires of Srila Prabhupada, uh, and, and one of the central desires, that a class of, there be a class of Vaishnav Brahmins to give guidance to human society. Let everyone come and chant Hare Krishna and be, uh, enjoy the bliss of Hari Sankirtan. But let them be guided also by uh, those who have taken the trouble to deeply study and understand the teachings of Krishna consciousness as given by Srila Prabhupada so that uh, along with chanting Hare Krishna we can do everything else, everyone else can do everything else that is required to make advancement. So, those who are to be the spiritual leaders of society, they should be fixed in understanding the principles of Krishna consciousness and in practicing them. So, these uh, two things. Apani Achari Prabhu Jibere Shikai. By his own behavior, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Krishna consciousness to others. There are certain things we have to do, certain things we don't have to do. Uh, this devotee has written to me, uh, yeah, he, or he's been referred to me because uh, he wanted, he writes in, I wanted to get stricter instruction. So within our society, uh, as far as I know, I am known as being strict. But I don't find that I'm particularly strict. I just follow all the things that I was taught when I joined this movement that we learned from Srila Prabhupada and that he wanted us to teach others. So, yeah, Krishna consciousness is strict. You, you can't have Krishna consciousness and non-Krishna consciousness. You can't have Krishna consciousness and Maya. Well, you can do but then you're likely to end up in the heavenly planets. You're not likely to end up as uh, a dust, piece of dust at the lotus feet of Krishna. We pray for that, that we become the Ainanda Tanuja Kinkarang Patitang Mang Vishame Bhavam Budhau Kripayatavapada Pankajas Titadhuli Sadrishan Vichintaya. So, what, what does it require to become? a dust particle in the lotus feet of Krishna. Uh, it's, not so, it's not so easily attained. It's not uh, a very light matter. Krishna consciousness means that we have got this opportunity after many, many births. Labdhvāsudurlabham idang bahusambhavanti Manusham arthadam anityam apihadhira turnam yateta napatet anumritya yavam nisrayasaya vishayakhalu saravatasyat. After many births, we have attained this human form of life. It is rare to attain human life. It is short, doesn't last long, but it is very valuable because in human life, we have the opportunity to get free from the cycle of birth and death. Therefore, before the next death, we've had so many deaths, before the next one, 
we should do whatever is required so that we don't get born again. And if we think that, well, there are so many things to enjoy, we should consider that we've already done that in millions of births, and, and that if we have such an attitude that we will get the chance to enjoy again in the material world again and again and again, but then we'll have to get born and die again and again and again. Punarapi janganam, punarapi maranam. So, Krishna consciousness, uh, strict following, well, what is called strict following? Actually, there's no strict. If we want to be strict, actually, then uh, who will come? Gorki Jodas Babaji Maharaj, he was strict. He had one disciple. That one disciple saved the whole world. Through his one disciple, who brought Krishna consciousness to the whole world. But how lax and loose can you be and be Krishna conscious? What are the guidelines? Well, they are given to us by Srila Prabhupada and by Shastra, and they're all very clear. Basic points are there, four regulated principles, uh, chant minimum 16 rounds. This is the vow at initiation. But there's more to it also, if we are actually to become Krishna conscious. Now, I'm known as strict maybe because I emphasize these points. Rising early, not watching TV, not going to see movies. Nowadays you don't see movies. You don't go to movies. Well, people still go to movies, but you watch it on your PC or whatever. Not watching TV and just being serious about Krishna consciousness. These are basic principles which anyone who wants to be a devotee has to follow because you can't be Krishna conscious in the true sense of the term, and we can't get the full mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we can't follow Srila Prabhupada unless we do these basic things, which he told us to do. So this is considered strict, and uh, when someone's writing to me from America, asking me for advice, on these basic things, I feel there's uh, something's, something's wrong there. That in our society, if we're not teaching these basic things to everyone, if everyone who's teaching is not teaching these things, then the standard of our society has come down. And the purpose of the society, which is to teach Krishna consciousness in such a way that people will become pure devotees, will go back to Godhead, that will not be fulfilled. If we're not, if I'm considered strict, then there's something wrong with our society. Because if we're not teaching these basic things, then people are not following them. And in fact, from what I'm told, uh, newcomers or old comers are even told that, well, you should, it's good. You sometimes take your wife out to some restaurant or go to some movie. Don't be, don't be too strict. But how is that? If we want to please Krishna, if we want to do whatever is required to please Krishna, then how can we do anything but what is required to please Krishna. We can't have both things. We can't, we can't be uh, an enjoyer of the material world and please Krishna and be a pure devotee of Krishna. Now, it's understood that in household life, uh, devotees may not be as strict as sannyasis. Sannyasis are supposed to be the, to set the idea of example. But at least when Srila Prabhupada was present, it, for householders also, the, the same basic principles 
they were expected to follow. There was no question of movies, outside food cooked by non-devotees, having a dog, pet dog. There was no question. It was just, just... But now it's quite normal. That means that the teachings of Srila Prabhupada at least regarding the proper behavior for devotees, have not been or are not being preserved intact. In other words, the parampara is sakalenaya mahata yoga nashta parantapa. The actual process is breaking down. We can't expect, I mean, you may think, well, it's, these are just small things, but they're not small things because they contaminate the consciousness. And then we chant Hare Krishna, but increasingly we'll find that chanting, uh, who is asked to chant? Those who have a very sweet voice. And we don't see what is their standard of behavior. Do they chant 16 rounds? Do they follow all the regulated principles? Are they serious? Do they only take Krishna prasadam? Do they understand the philosophy of Krishna consciousness? Do they read Srila Prabhupada's books? These questions won't be asked. Just, oh, he sings very nicely. That's all. That's, that is considered the qualification to chant Hare Krishna. But that's not. From the uh, mundane materialistic point of view, maybe Srila Prabhupada's chanting is not the sweetest chanting. There are, many, there are many famous musicians. We have this Anub Jalota, famous in North India. And there are so many. Jagjit and Chitra Singh. I think Jagjit Singh died recently. So they're very good singers. They're blessed by Krishna, by Saraswati, with a very sweet voice. And they do or did, apart from singing many other things, also sometimes sung songs about Krishna, which is nice. So, all right, that's good, that's nice for people who are coming to Krishna consciousness. They may be attracted by the sweet sound of a good singer's voice. But for transcendental benefit, we cannot compare the sound of a sweet singer's voice with that of Srila Prabhupada. And that works at our level also, in as much as someone who's not strictly practicing Krishna consciousness, the effect of their kirtan, even it, it may please the mind, but it won't purify. The, the, the purification won't be there. And even if we have the sense that I... Uh, let us enjoy the kirtan. That was a really good kirtan. How do you know it was a good kirtan? Well, because I enjoyed it. And that's the standard. That's how materialists judge everything. What's a good movie? I enjoyed it. What's a good ice cream? I enjoyed it. What's a good song? I enjoyed it. What's a good kirtan? I enjoyed it. But we have to see that where is the purification? Purification means to uh, come toward this platform, toward the platform of Atendriya Priti Vancha, Tare Bale Kam Krishnendriya Priti Ichadhare Premana. To come to this platform of understanding that anything done for my own sensual pleasure is material lust, which binds us in this material world and covers our knowledge of our actual position of service to Krishna. Whereas everything that is done only for Krishna's pleasure, that is praying, that is love of Krishna. So, even in Krishna consciousness, it can be superficially the same as that, or it can, what 
there can be a semblance of Krishna consciousness, which is, it appears to be Krishna consciousness, but it's not that, that which is approved by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gaurabhihita Kirta. Because the participants, they themselves are superficial in their practice. So it is uh, a lot or disturbing that someone's asking what do they have to do to come up to the level of Brahminical instruction and from the senior devotees say to them pray to Krishna and all will be given to you. But senior means they're meant to give instruction on practically practical instruction on what we need to do to advance and what we need to not do so that we can advance. This is the meaning of senior. This is the meaning of guru. Guru means teacher. So teachers should teach what we have to do, what we should do, what we should not do. Uh, but it seems that this uh, understanding has... Uh, it's not very widespread. Like I say, if I'm considered strict, then there's something wrong. The, the gurus, whether you know, you know, and anyone who's teaching Krishna consciousness or preaching to others or helping them come up are considered in that sense a guru. They should do their duty properly and instruct properly and tell that, yes, you want Krishna, very good, please come to Krishna. Perfect your human life. After many, many millions of births, you have the chance. Now is the time. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come. Prabhupada has come. So Prabhupada taught like this. And we should teach that. And if we don't teach that, well, then what is our position? If we're taking the position of leading others and guiding others and initiating others, but we don't teach them the basic things that are, even the basic things that are required to become fully, or, or even to get onto the platform by which we can start to properly advance, then we're not doing our job properly. Otherwise what happens, that example Bhakti Saraswati Thakur gave, is that we're, we're doing the activities of Krishna consciousness but we don't advance this uh, story, Bhaktisthan Sarasvatthaka told. It's a story that can be understood from by people uh, living in Bangladesh up to 10 or 15 years ago, where, where much of the transport was by boat, river transport. So one uh, family, they had to go to another place for a wedding. So they were going to go by boat. That's the normal thing to do. It's hot in the day. You go at night by boat. So the boatman takes you and he rows all night and in the morning you wake up and you're in the location that you're headed to. There are not many roads. It used to be like that. But nowadays there river transport is less and less in Bangladesh. So anyway, the story is like this. One family, uh, they got in the boat just at Sunday, just uh, in the evening. And then the boatman came and started rowing and they all fell asleep. And in the morning, just at sunup, they woke up and they saw, oh, we're still in the same place. What's going on, boatman? He said, well, I've been rowing all night. And then he saw that they've the boat is tied to the post on the shore and he forgot to untie it. So he's been going through the motions, he's been doing all the things he do, should do, working hard, but because he didn't do one important thing, he didn't go anywhere. That's called Shrama Evahi Kevalam, simply work without any benefit. So, Bhaktisiddhanta Sasratako gave this example that if we 
practice Krishna consciousness, but we don't give up sense gratification. We don't cut the attachment to this material world. Then we can chant Hare Krishna. We can be initiated. We can be Brahmin initiated. We can be sannyas initiated. We can be guru. <laughs> but if we don't cut the uh, rope of attachment to this world, then we go through all the emotions, but we don't actually make advancement. So it, it's a disturbing situation where devotees, they're coming to Krishna consciousness, they're getting initiated, they're preaching, they're bringing others, and I'm not saying that's all bad, because to bring anyone to chant Hare Krishna is good, to get them to follow four regulated principles is good. But there's more to it. There's much more to it. So, to, to, not, to not teach these basic points, or maybe to teach the opposite, that yes, yes, it's okay, you can, you know, have a little sense gratification. Guru's mercy. Guru will say, but Guru, his mercy is that he instructs you. Not that you do whatever you like and the Guru puts his hand on your head or Ashivada and that's it. Okay. Let him do all the work. I'll enjoy life and we'll get Krishna praying. So these, uh, what advice we should give, this devotee is asking. Just turn off your cell phone, that's the first advice. Yeah, turn it off forever. Don't listen to the sounds from the material world. Don't be eager to hear. Grama borta na shunibe. Don't talk nonsense. To be Krishna conscious means to be intense. Sometimes we hear this verse quoted, Akama Sarava Kamova, Moksha Kama Udharati. You can, you, and it's quoted to say that, well, you can have material desires and practice Krishna conscious. But what's the next word? Tivrena. Bhakti yogena, yajeta purusham param. You may have all material desires, but one has to practice Krishna consciousness intensely, which means not indulging in material desires. We may come with material desires, but this sarava kama verse doesn't mean that we remain with all material desires. That's a gross malinterpretation. Rather, we have to become free from all desires other than the desire to satisfy Krishna, which is why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. It's well known. Na dhanam na janam na sundarim kavitam va jagadisha kamaye mama janmani janmanishvare bhavatad bhakti rahaituki tvai. It's ahaituki bhakti. Ahaituki, this word has two basic important meanings. One is that bhakti does not arise from karma, jnana, yoga, punya, any such thing. Bhaktya sanjataya bhaktya. Bhakti is like Bhagavan is self-sufficient. So bhakti arises from bhakti only. Another meaning of a haituki is that bhakti should not be performed for fulfillment of any personal desire or with any personal desire. So it is intense. It is a high bar, we could say. But that is Krishna consciousness. And if we are cultivating desires other than to be Krishna, oh, there's, there's another one, you know, you should have a good career. It's very important, you have to have a good career. And then other people will be impressed. And then they'll also want to be Krishna conscious. That means what? That 
materialistic people, they will be impressed on the material platform. <laughs> so, the idea, yes, I should get a good career. But what is this? It's all meaningless. To be big in the material sense, it's meaningless. The big man today is the big dog of tomorrow. Now, that's all. This desire to be big, anyone desires to be big? Yeah. In your next life you can be an elephant. <laughs> Krishna will fulfill. If you want to be big. Or among the dog community, there are so many dogs running around the streets of Bangalore. You can be the one who barks loudest. But if we want to be devotees of Krishna, then this idea to be big, Ishvaroham, Ahambhogi, this demoniac desire, that should not remain. Of course, it may be that if one has some position, he can use that for preaching. But what I see many times is that in the name of preaching, it's, it's cult actually cultivation of material desires and cheating ourselves by calling it devotional service. When actually the main desire is material, that I shall be recognized as a big person. The, main, the, the underlying motive is not how I can satisfy Krishna. That comes secondarily. So these things have to be said. Maybe that's why I'm known as strict. But that's one of the that's one of the qualities which uh, Krishna mentions in Bhagavad Gita. Arjavam means speaking straightforwardly, because if these things are not said, then how can we come out of that? We are in Maya. How can we come out of that? We have to hear. And understand what is Maya and what is not Maya. Unless we hear these things, then we can't come out. Therefore, Santa Evasa Chindanti Manovya Sangam Uktibihi. Sadhus are meant for speaking strongly to cut our material attachments. Generally, we think a nice sadhu is one who just praises me and smiles at me. But according to Krishna, that is not the definition of a sadhu. A sadhu has the unpleasant task of making people feel uncomfortable. Just like Yamaraj, he has the unpleasant task of punishing the sinners. He's a great devotee, one of the twelve Mahajans. Durga, she has the unpleasant task of keeping everyone in illusion and even those who take to devotional service of attempting to pull them down. That is an unpleasant time. But she's a devotee. In sadhus, they have the unpleasant task of not being duplicitous. Of speaking straightforwardly. Mostly sadhu, we think, is someone who smiles, just like this. The, the most famous Hindu sadhu of today is based just outside Bangalore. And his whole thing is, well, the other one was too. Well, he claimed to be Bhagawan, but he died now. There was another one who finally did something good for the world by dying. <laughs> this other one hasn't died yet. We, uh, we wish him that he may do something good for the world eventually, and the sooner the better. But his whole thing is to smile. He says, I want to put a smile on everyone's face. You rascal! Why are you saying that? Without instructing them about Krishna and you want them to be happy, then you are a rascal. That's all. It should be said. Some of our leaders are meeting him. If I have the bad luck to meet him any time, I shall have the pleasure of telling him that he's a rascal who's simply misleading people. We should understand these things. Otherwise, we ourselves start to... Because you're all coming from a Hindu background, and you think that a sadhu or a guru is someone who simply smiles and is nice. 
But that is not the definition according to Krishna. And therefore we think, well, a very good guru is someone who smiles. Yes, that one. Yes, smiles and is nice. But that's not the definition according to Krishna. That's why we have to hear from sadhus to understand all these things, because we have so many misunderstandings, which if we just bring them into Krishna consciousness, and we never hear the actual fact as given in Shastra, then we'll never understand. And we're going along, rowing the boat, with fully tied up to the shore. So, yeah, we should be strict. If we say, we ask everyone, who wants Krishna Prem? Everyone will put up their hand. Joy! If we ask, who wants to rise early in the morning? Who wants to stop eating kami food? If we... Uh, who wants to stop watching TV? Who wants to make a serious commitment to read Srila Prabhupada's books? We won't see the hands going up so quickly, if at all. That means we are simply cheating ourselves. If we say that we want Krishna praying, but we're not enthusiastic to follow the processes given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for giving us Krishna praying, then we're simply cheating. That's all. So, those who are leaders and gurus, and whatever it may be, or brahmins, every brahmin, if you have that thread on your body, it's not meant for recognition. They're supposed to be spiritual leaders. So you should teach this to those who come to you, who respect you as a spiritual leader. And with this kind of teaching, then our movement can become very strong. The, the, the power, the energy of Krishna that comes to those who follow the teachings of Krishna. Krishna Shakti, ah. Kali Kale, Juga Dharma, Nama Shankirtan, Krishna Shakti Bina Nahita Prabhatan. In this Kali Yuga, the Yuga Dharma, the prescribed process, is chanting the names of Krishna. But unless one has, unless one is blessed with the potency of Krishna, then one cannot do so. One may be uh, very successful in spreading Nama Bhas or Nama Parada, but to teach Krishna consciousness in such a way that people can actually advance in Krishna consciousness means to teach them. Yeah, there has to be teaching. Now, of course, we have the Bhakti Shastri course. Very good. We should study all this. But practically in our lives, what do we have to do? What changes do we have to make so that we can get free from that which ties us in this material world? That should be taught. We should uh, know what Srila Prabhupada taught and teach that, and that will have tremendous potency. Otherwise... Uh, to increase the numbers in the same way that uh, that person who I was just referring to, who smiles, uh, that is not such a great achievement. Simply to increase, of course, people who come to him, I presume they all become vegetarians, that is good. They probably stopped smoking. That is good if they were smoking previously. Maybe they study the Vedic literatures to some extent. I don't know what they do over there. I'm not that interested. I mean, just by, just by seeing a photo of him, you can understand he's the, yeah, just a, another cheater, that's all. Uh, well, that's all right. That's good. But, Prema Pumartho Mahan. The actual goal of life is Krishna Prema. And that does not come by anything else but Tivra Bhakti Yoga, intense absorption in Krishna consciousness. You may say, well, it all comes by mercy. That's true. But we have to take the mercy also. The mercy is already there. Often devotees come to me and ask for my blessing. It's already there. 
The blessings of all the acharyas are already there. But are we ready to take it? That we have to see. Just like I say, if we ask who wants Krishna Prem, everyone will say, Jai Haribo! And if we ask, then who wants to rise early every morning? Who wants to stop watching TV only? There won't be so much Jai Haribo. <laughs> that means we're not serious about Krishna Prem. We should be serious. So that's the point I wanted to make here. Please be serious about Krishna consciousness. And just like this devotee, seriously thinking about Brahminical initiation, what do I have to do? So, if you are going to take initiation, Harinam initiation or Brahminical, well, actually the Harinam is more important than Brahminical initiation. Then, uh, take that seriously. Think what you have to do. Well, here's a suggestion. You can imagine what the suggestion is. Better have a silent clock. Yeah, this initiation is a very serious business. So mostly... Uh, I don't know how seriously devotees are considering. So please, uh, yeah, take it all very seriously. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this, please? Yes. As we, uh, as Maharaj said about eating food by karmis. Food cooked by karmis, yeah. Non-devotees, yeah. And so what? What about the foods, what our prasadam so called, what we eat in Islam festivals, which are cooked by not so highly standard devotees, all the Govinda bakery products, all the Govinda restaurants? I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but the standard is that we should take food which is cooked by initiated devotees who are following all the principles. That was Srila Prabhupada's standard always. Even a Kumbha Mela. Nowadays, if there's some big festival, we generally call some outside people to cook. But at Kumbha Mela, Srila Prabhupada had his own disciples cook for mass prasad distribution. The head cook was a sannyasi who was an excellent preacher and kirtan leader. Prabhupada had him in the kitchen. <laughs> that's, the, that's the standard. Srila Prabhupada did sometimes also allow... Uh, in some circumstances where there were less devotees for when there was a new t new temple he did allow to have a hired brahmin cook but he wanted the brahmin to be a brahmin and not as he said in one place where they'd hired that this man is not a brahmin he's a bhangi why have you called him so the person should actually be clean following brahminical principles all these things I don't know what Govinda's bakery products is, but it, it, the same standard is for everyone. It's the same basic principle. To have a restaurant with the name Govinda's and have people in there who are not cooking or not chanting 16 rounds and strictly following all the principles, then it's a business, you can say, but it doesn't benefit anyone spiritually. The name Govinda is there, that's good, but... Not much more. And there we are, then you could say that we have the Balaji wine shop also. So, <laughs> so I guess to have a wine or Saptagiri hatcheries. <laughs> so if you get your chicken from Saptagiri hatcheries, maybe that's better getting it from uh, Suguna. <laughs> but the basic activity is not recommended. Mm. 
Now, the two basic points there are Haituki means that uh, Bhakti is not. Haituki comes from the word, word Hetu, cause. So, Bhakti is not caused by anything else. Bhakti is fully transcendental, spiritual, beyond the modes of material nature. And nothing within the modes of material nature can give rise to bhakti. So that's one meaning of a haituki. Another meaning is that we should not perform bhakti or actual pure bhakti is that which has no material motivation. There's no material reason or cause for which we do it. Is that alright? What is... I didn't catch the end of what you said, but I, did, I heard you said two things about a high tuki. Okay. Well, if you misunderstood and you're really eager to hear, you can get it. Is it on the website? No. After two months. All right, so that's it finished. Huh? Is it? There's more questions. Thank you so much. Uh, you said that when people think we have one life we should enjoy and uh, you know they don't believe in the next world, uh, how do you convince them that they're already doing the process of choosing the truth? How do you convince them? How do you convince them? You can tell them. Whether they accept or not, that's up to them. You can tell the basic philosophy. That you know the philosophy, but if people don't accept, what can you do? Srila Prabhupada spoke Krishna Conscious tirelessly to thousands of people. Few accepted. We should speak. If people want to hear, they can hear. If they don't want to hear, they can do whatever they like. That's all. Just like I said some things today, I doubt if anyone will follow, but anyway, it's up to you. Because you think, well, that's all right. That's that's him saying it, and he can let him say what he likes, and very nice, and we'll go on what we're doing. Anyway, I said what I said. It's up to you. But you won't get the same. You'll get one result by following, and another result by not following, and they're not the same. Yeah, pass over the microphone. All right, you can ask because it's a long way away. I can hear you. Rotation principle of presidents because they may get corrupted. We're talking about temple presidents here. Well, Srila Prabhupada was, uh, he gave the formula by which, when he was asked about this, Srila Prabhupada was asked, I believe by George Harrison about this, that, that, well, your leaders, they may also get carried away by materialistic considerations and not be focused on Krishna. And Prabhupada said, then, no, they'll be all right if they, I'm paraphrasing, of course, yeah. Srila Prabhupada said, if they follow the basic principles, which Srila Prabhupada emphasized again and again and again in his letters, particularly, uh, to individual disciples. Many of his letters were written to leaders, the temple presidents, the GBC members, and again and again and again he emphasized that you have to teach the devotees to follow all these principles. Rise early, attend the Mongolati, chant 16 rounds, go on Sankirtan, have class, and you have to teach by your personal example. So if the leaders do that, and they see that the other devotees are doing that, that was Srila Prabhupada's formula for keeping everything pure. Following Krishna consciousness, what nowadays would be called strictly, but for Prabhupada it wasn't strict. He didn't consider it to be very strict. He considered that to be just the basics. So Srila Prabhupada said, if you follow that, then everything will be all right. So conversely, we can understand that if we don't follow that, then there will be problems. We can expect that leaders or anyone else who do not follow this 
program, then their understanding of Krishna consciousness will not be clear and materialistic tendencies will become prominent. It's simple. Krishna consciousness is a science and is not that difficult to understand. <laughs> 